Fortuidae, and welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Kiwi, and with me is BP. Hi! This week we are playing The Shores of Tripoli, designed by Kevin Bertram. The artists were Kat Bach, Mark Radebu, and Matthew Wallhead. It was published in 2022 by Fort Circle Games. The description. From the end of the American Revolution, commercial vessels of the young United States Republic were easy prey for the pirates of the Barbary Coast. In 1801, newly inaugurated President Thomas Jefferson was eager to put an end to this threat and sent a squadron of observation to the Mediterranean. As the squadron arrived in Gibraltar, they learned that the Bashaw of Tripoli had already declared war. The mechanics are campaign, battle card driven, dice rolling, hand management, solo solitaire game, and variable player setup. Campaign, battle card driven. I think that's the first time that we have seen that kind of mechanic, but we have definitely played games with that mechanic. So the campaign, battle card driven mechanic is a relatively recent development in war games that focuses the player's actions on cards they have in their hand. Performing a single action uses a single card cards will often be multi-purpose. Examples, we have played Gloomhaven, Spirit Island, Watergate, and Role Player Adventures. <laughs> so the cards typically will have more than one thing to do, and that's where our actions will come from instead of like one action being move and one action being attack. Hmm. We, the battle cards drive it. So, uh, And the box art... BP, how would you describe that box? Um, those are uh, 18th century ships. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a word for them. It uh, uh, starts with an F. Uh, frigate? Yeah, are they frigates? Uh, yes. Look at me, knowing, knowing ships. Mm -hmm. that, that is a type of ship, type of sailing ship. That's not one in the picture. Okay. Uh, no, that is a frigate. Okay, yeah. good, good. Yeah, and it's got the American, the U.S. flag. Ooh, I wonder how many stars it has on it because it looks a little. Uh, it should be. It looks like just three rows. Okay. 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 Anyway, uh, there's lots of gun smoke coming off of the ships. Uh, it looks like a fort in the background. It is definitely your, your. 18th century sea battle. I realize this is early 19th century, but I feel like when people think 19th century, they might think um, like ironclad kind of ships. Sure. These are this is definitely much, much earlier. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the joke would be that uh, this is the period of time when the ships were made of wood and the men were made of steel. That's a joke? Uh, yeah. Because, oh, you're supposed to laugh? Yeah, you're supposed to laugh because uh -oh. the sailors on board would be the ones who were, they were hard. It wasn't uh, funny. Vice the... Okay. The wood on the ship. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's. Uh, it reminds me of the kind of painting you might see in like a museum. So, mm, like if we went mm -hmm. to like a, a naval history museum or mm -hmm. just like a U.S. history museum, this is the kind of painting that you might see. Yeah, I feel like yawning already. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, would you pick this up? Um, I actually saw it sitting on your desk and was like, "Ooh, can we play this?" Okay. Which I think, if anybody has listened to this podcast, would find that very odd because I'm not very into war game type of things or military military history kind of things. And yet I was like, ooh, the shores of Tripoli. And ooh, can I play the pirates? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I picked it up, uh, one, because uh, it involves the Marine Corps, uh, the shores of Tripoli, obviously, mm -hmm, obviously, being one part of the very first line of the Marines hymn. Uh, but also, uh, because of work, I'm in a large wargaming like, community of practice. And mm -hmm. there was actually a big competition 
mm. uh, where they played this game in like a tournament style uh, event. And some of the people that I've known that I worked with, like placed very well and did well uh, in that tournament. Um, but also in my research, I found that uh, Fort Circle Games uh, is local to us here oh. in Washington, the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, and Fort Circle is actually the name of a series of like 20 to 30 forts uh, that were built in a giant circle around Washington, D.C. to defend it. And so the whole... You know, Before each, or after 1812? Uh, I think after 1812. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the whole series is called Fort Circle, but um, each one of them has kind of their own own name. So I did not know that. Um, so BP, you can see it kind of here on the table. How do you think it's played? Yeah, so we've got a, a board here with obviously the, the northern coast of Africa and the Mediterranean with uh, some of the southern coastline of Europe on the other side with big circles uh, and then red, blue and different colors of ships and things. I'm assuming red are the pirates and blue are supposed to be the the U.S. Navy. Okay. And uh, we're going to, I feel I've got a risk vibe going on a little bit. Okay. Um, I feel like this is going to be, even though I don't think I've ever really played risk. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I feel like you're going to be moving your ships out to try to go against the other guys. Yep. And for those listening at home, there was some hand movements involved with the uh, the cannon firing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the cards, of course, are going to tell us what we can move because I'm looking at one of my cards. It even says I can move two of my Corsairs, which I'm assuming are two of my boats. Okay. Right? Yep. And I'm going to move them uh, probably into these little other circles. And so the goal is obviously to conquer the other side. Uh, I was going to wait until you were done making your guess on how it's played. Uh, the vibe I get from the board is the, what was that version, that pandemic version we played that had the gulls and the Romans? Oh, yeah, yeah. That one that's, was fun. That's that's the uh, the vibe I get from this board. It reminds was me it a lot of Was it just Fall one. of Rome? Uh, yes, I, I think it was Pandemic Fall of Rome. Yeah, because it was so. about the quote-unquote barbarians and quote-unquote Germanics. Yeah, but I don't think they actually used the word barbarian. They definitely okay. called them Germanics and the Gauls and some other, because they each each of the groups had their own name. Anyway, back to the game we're playing right now. <laughs> uh, I feel like this is a toss-up, the history of the, the Barbary Wars. Oh, yeah. So I am going to save part of that for you. I'm surprised oh, okay. you didn't even usurp me on the history I, I of this case. I, I know you really your, want to. I would never take your, your bit. Um, it's the one thing you bring to the show. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Right. The history of the Barbary War. Um, so, by the way, do you know why it's called the Barbary Coast? I do not. Do you know why they're called Barbary? It's a, a deformed uh, way of saying Berbers. So do you know why they're called the Berber people? I'm going to go with no. Okay. Uh, it was the term, it's again a form of what the Romans called, back to what we were just talking about, barbarians, mm -hmm. which were basically just anybody labeled non-Greco-Roman were called barbarians. Um, I forget off the top of my head in uh, the local dialect what Berbers actually prefer to be called. It basically translates in the local dialect to free peoples. So neither here nor there. Uh, the Barbary Coast and, I mean, the Mediterranean in general and the whole idea of the pirates. History of piracy in the Mediterranean. Um, and most importantly, from uh, especially about 700 uh, on, this area was pretty notorious for um, 
banditry in general. And part of it was uh, as to capitalize on the slave trade uh, for most of the um, kind of Arab uh, conquered peoples. And so um, kind of all the way through the Mediterranean and by like the 14 and 1500s up along the Atlantic coast. So definitely by the time then the Ottoman Empire took over much of that, right? So you'll have the then this piracy operation that would basically be going around as Europeans were also coming back with all their riches, right, from the Americas that they'd taken out of the Americas. Uh, you'd have these uh, pirates going and, you know, boarding and taking people and things off of those ships to, you know, uh, send off to the Ottoman Empire. Um, it starts to get really interesting when in the 1400s, uh, the Crusades were going through the Iberian Peninsula, uh, basically pushing out all the Muslims and Jews out of the Iberian Peninsula during the Spanish Inquisition. And so, uh, the Spanish also even tried to take parts of the Moroccan coast in Algeria. And so there were huge battles that went on between all of this. And that's when you have a lot of the really big forts being built along the coast, uh, like the northwest coast of Africa and Morocco, uh, to protect against invasion from uh, the Inquisition and the Spanish. Um, throughout much of the 1600s, there was kind of a... Um, hiatus, if you will, uh, in the uh, kind of late 1600s, 1700s between especially the British and uh, the Barbaries. But then, as you know, once the colonies in North America declared their independence from the British Empire, they lost all that protection. Mm -hmm. And so therefore their ships, which were pretty under mans and compared to the great British Navy at the time, which was the greatest Navy throughout the 1700s and 1800s, uh, the, of course, uh, U.S. could not keep up with all of that. And so that would then leave off to your history. Uh, yeah. So what I would bring up is that um, so this was kind of the first big thing that a very young uh, U.S. Marine Corps and U.S. Navy took part of. I actually read that this was the creation of the U.S. Navy. So uh, not necessarily. So during the revolution, obviously, we had a very small Navy and we had the Marine Corps, right? November 10th, 1775. Congress says to raise two battalions of Marines. In reality, they only raised about a battalion and a half. Um and so they did stuff during the revolution, not a whole lot, but, you know, they served mostly on ships. And then in April of 1783, or 1783, so pretty much right after the war, they said, okay, the war's over. We've got our independence. We don't need a Navy and Marine Corps and a militia anymore. So we're going to disband them. So April of 1883, 1783, they said, okay, you guys are done. It wasn't until about September of 1783 where everybody like finally went home. Um, and then they were like, okay, we're good. We don't need this military. And then 1798, they figure out like, all right, we're starting to have to pay, pay teeths to the Barbary pirates. Mm -hmm. uh, the French right. are starting to get real annoying because uh, they were causing some issues. So Congress said, okay, we need a Navy. We need a, uh, a Marine Corps because the Navy needs that portion. The Marines are supposed to go ashore and do some other stuff aboard the best. So they recreate the Navy and they recreate the Marine Corps. So 
1775, we have actually the colonial Marines because we don't have a United States at that point. Okay. So 1798, 11 July 1798 is should technically be the official birthday hmm. of the United States Marine Corps. It because still wasn't that's the United it. States that was it? Oh, yeah, because 1783 is 89 when the Constitution. Right, exactly. So, yeah, so 1798. So this is 1801. So we're literally talking that this is the first real action that the U.S. Navy and the U.S. Marine Corps actually takes part in. And so, you know, the very first line of the Marines hymn from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. Mm -hmm. It's fun to point out that, you know, it's it sounds nice in the order that it's in. but. Mm -hmm. Date-wise, it's actually out of order because Montezuma, the Wars of Mexico, that was about 40 years later. Mm -hmm. um, and then famously, Presley O'Bannon, he is the lieutenant who's in charge of the Marines. And he and eight other enlisted Marines, along with Hammett's army, uh, leading a bunch of uh, Arabs mm -hmm. uh, in the war. Uh, that's all like the Marine Corps makes this huge deal out of the shores of Tripoli. But there was only about nine of us involved, like actually on the shores of Tripoli, like taking it. Um, but the Hammett presented Presley O'Bannon with the Mameluke sword, which the Marine officer's sword is patterned off of that sword. Mm -hmm. And we've been carrying it you know, ever since then. So were they I mean, so Arab different naming were they just then basically different tribes of north africans who were yeah so hammett was kind of the one that was like most friendly to the us and mm -hmm. i think it was kind of one of those things where that the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind right. of thing where they weren't necessarily friends but it was hammett had his own kind of this is what i want to have happen and i think the us can get me there uh, so the way the board's actually laid out is Tripolitania is that's where the Barbary pirates were mostly based. Mm -hmm. But Tunisia, Algeria, Algeria and Morocco were allies to and not friendly to the U.S. Uh, and the yellow is actually Sweden because they actually had some vessels that were in the Mediterranean yeah. uh, doing the same thing for the, for the same exact reasons, because, you know, the Swedish merchants and stuff were being harassed by these pirates as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so they kind of uh, joined in with us. I feel so. like that's what pirates do. They yeah, harass. Harass. But uh, yeah, so that's, uh, I think, you know, from a Marine Corps standpoint, you know, the shores of Tripoli, we get the Mameluke sword. Um, you know, Presley Bannon goes down in history as, you know, probably if you had to list out famous Marines, he would obviously be at the top of the list from a, a historical perspective. Okay, so how do we play? So one player is going to take the role of the United States and its allies, which is uh, Hammett uh, Karamanli and Sweden. And the other tide takes the role of Tripolitania and their allies of Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia. The game is played over six rounds, representing the years of 1801 to 1806, which is the length of uh, the Barbary Wars. And the United States wins if they can force a favorable peace treaty signing or take over Tripoli. And the Tripolitan player wins by forcing the United States to submit and pay tribute. Yes! Uh, before we uh, started, we'd already decided that I would play the United States and BP would play uh, Tripolitania and their allies. So um, each year is broken up into the start of year phase, followed by the seasonal phases. And each seasonal phase has the US player go first followed by the triple tan player and then end of season actions. So during each seasonal phase, and when I say seasonal, it's legit like spring, summer, yeah. fall, winter. So you can think of the years as rounds and the seasons as the phases within okay. that round. Uh, so the US player is gonna conduct the following actions. I'll have a hand of cards and I'll be able to play one as an event. 
I can discard a card in order to move uh, two of my frigates, or I can discard a card to build a gunboat in Malta. What? Uh, so the bigger pieces are frigates, mm -hmm. and the smaller ones are uh, gunboats for the United mm. States. Mine are Corsairs. The small uh, your ones. small ones are Corsairs, and you'll have frigates as well. Mm -hmm. uh, because during the Barbary Wars, uh, they did have some frigates because they captured some U.S. ships. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Uh, during each seasonal phase, the Triple Tam player conducts one of the following. You will also be able to play a card in this event. Mm -hmm. You can play a uh, discard a card to conduct a pirate raid with the Corsairs out of Tripoli, or you can discard a card to build a Triple Tan Corsair in uh, Tripoli. Uh, Tripoli. Okay, so there are different f types of event cards. So you have core, which are specific events and are kept face up in front of each player. So each of us has okay. three, uh, and those are core. Those are kind of like important things that happened historically so that we always want to have access to those. Uh, and for me, uh, for the US specifically, there are some items that I need in order to feed into my cards that will allow me to win the game. Okay. Uh, they are all one-time use, uh, and they don't count against our hand count. We'll have a hand limit of eight, but the three cards in front of us do not count against that hand limit. Got it. Okay. Uh, we also have unique, which are kept in our player's hands, but are removed after being played. And then we have battle cards, which are played when certain triggers are met during a season. And finally, we have common event cards, which don't fall into any, any of the other categories. And in general, the event will be read out loud, executed, and then discarded. At, the, at this point, it's considered the active event. Uh, and we will both have our own personal discard piles. Uh, the backs are obviously, so I have Thomas Jefferson on the back of mine, and I, uh, I forget who uh, is on the back of yours. Yeah. Uh, actually... uh, it is Yosef Karamanli. Um, Kar uh, I'm assuming he Kar is the, the leader of the, the Tripletania. So the map has nine ports and five naval patrol zones. So the ports are the ones that have the broad circle and are named. The patrol zones are the lighter blue areas on the map. Uh, the patrol zones are what the U.S. is going to move between. And unless directed to a specific location by an event, if a U.S. frigates are moved, they can move between any of the the patrol zone. So I don't have to like start the one outside Gibraltar and then I have to move to Algiers. I can go from the one outside Gibraltar straight to Tripoli. Mm. Uh, if they move to a harbor with, oh, okay. If a U.S. frigates are moved to a naval patrol zone or a friendly port, nothing happens. If they move to a harbor with enemy ships, we will conduct a naval battle unless we're in Gibraltar. Uh, and then it's a safe haven for anybody because the British are watching over everything that we do. Uh, and if we move to a harbor with no enemy ships, but enemy infantry, then the uh, U.S. Navy will conduct a naval bombardment. Uh, and I can use U.S. gunboats from Malta can join in battles and uh, bombardments. So for a battle, each side has an option to play any battle cards. So then each player rolls dice. So you'll get two dice for each frigate and then one die for each um, Corsair or gunboat. Uh, results of sixes are hits, and then players can allocate those hits against their ships as they choose. Frigates can take two hits, and then everything else takes one. Uh, frigates that only take a single hit are moved to the following year on the turn track so that you don't get them back until the next year. Mm. Uh, and then 
Surviving gunboats and undamaged frigates for the U.S. are then all returned back to Malta. For a bombardment, each frigate rolls two dice and each gunboat rolls one die. A result of six is a hit, and after the bombardment, all U.S. ships are returned to Malta. And those hits will go against the infantry that's there, because that's the thing that will trigger a bombardment. Uh, if Tripletan Infantry and Hammett's Army meet, um, so we have red cubes, that's the Tripletan Infantry. The white cubes are Hammett's Army and the blue cubes are U.S. Marines. Uh, so if those armies ever meet, then we will do an infantry battle. Uh, if U.S. ships are involved, we'll do a bombardment first, and then players uh, play any desired battle cards, and then we'll roll dice for each infantry. We'll get one, a six is a hit, and we get to figure out which units are hit and, and taken off the board. Each infantry can take a single hit. Uh, and then a, for a pirate raid, for you, uh, is done with either uh, Tripoli Corsairs with a discarded card or Allied Corsairs by playing specific events. Uh, if American or Allied ships are in the harbor of the Corsairs, they roll to intercept. Two dice for each frigate, one for a Swedish frigate, and then each uh, six sinks a Corsair. The Triple Tan player can then play a battle card and roll a die for each surviving Corsair. On a roll of five or six, they capture a merchant ship and gain a gold coin. The Corsairs then return to their home port. There's not an additional intercept if, when they return. Okay, the game ends with a U.S. victory if they succeed at uh, the Treaty of Peace and Amity, which is an event card in my deck, uh, which requires all three Triple Tan allies, so Tunisia, Algeria, and Morocco, uh, to have no Corsairs on the map. The city of Dern, captured, which is on the far east side of Triple Tania near uh, Egypt, has to be captured by Hammett's army. There's no Tripoli frigates in the harbor of Tripoli, and it has to be the fall of 18, 1805 or later. Uh, that's how I win. So I have so to meet all of those requirements. You can't beat me before 1805. Correct. I cannot beat you before 1805. <laughs> uh, the game, game ends with a triple tan victory if they acquire 12 gold coins. Okay. If they sink four American frigates or they eliminate Hammett's army. Finally, if none of these conditions are met and the game... Passes the winter of 1806, then the game ends in a draw. Charge! All right, we just finished a game of the Shores of Tripoli. Uh, to recap, we got to the winter of 1805, uh, and America, the United States, was able to sue for peace uh, and get the uh, Triple Tans to sign a peace treaty. I never signed. No, that's not what this card says. This card says I don't care you... what the card signs. <laughs> uh, so the, I was able to complete all the objectives for the Treaty of Peace and Amity objective. Um, so I was able to win in the winter of 1805. BP had gotten five out of 12 gold coins, and she had sunk two uh, of the four frigates. Uh, towards what would have victory. happened if you didn't have that in your hand? I couldn't play it. So you have to be able to play it. So that's why I think at the end, we'll talk about it here okay. in a minute. But. Okay, so uh, winning strategy? 
I started hard on Tripoli because I really wanted to like take Tripoli. Mm -hmm. And then I realized just how hard that was going to be because you were able to just kind of like plus it up with Corsairs and all kinds of stuff. Um, and then I sort of just had to wait it out until 1804 when I could bring in Hammett's army. And then I got super lucky in that I got both of the Dern and mm -hmm. Benghazi campaign. So I was able to kind of take those. And then you got my frigate. I got your frigate. Uh, and that was lucky. Um, I Some of it... It was luck. Like when I did it, my big, nice roles, yeah, yeah, when I did my big raid, would have been way cooler if I'd been way more successful. Yeah, I gotten like a ton of because that might have made me think twice about that one card that gave you coins because mm -hmm. that would have put you closer. But like those were my only two cards to like get rid of corsairs without doing battle. So that's what I was trying to avoid was avoid doing battles and avoid the dice rolls. Mm -hmm. So, um, so. What strategy did you try to do? Um, well, until I could figure out how I could get more ships, I was just going on raids. And then you told me that I could actually start building ships, which I yeah, wish I yeah, know a lot earlier on. I don't know if I would have done like some of the raids, but also some of the raids got me some of the, the ships. Um, and I think there were cards I was holding on to that I could have played a lot earlier, but, yeah. uh, I was, yeah, I was going for pirate raids cause that's what you do when you're a pirate. So theme, what do you think of the theme? Yeah. I mean, I felt like a pirate. Yeah. You, I mean, you did tons of raids which felt super piratey. I think the theme really came out strongly in the cards, like the names of the cards mm -hmm. and then what the card had you do. So like you had the card with the Philadelphia where you could have taken the Philadelphia mm -hmm. and then I had a card to burn the Philadelphia, which historically is what happened. Uh, but that's kind of where the theme comes out. I think like really hard is via that. Um, so. And then you said like, I only had one land battle card. Like I did not have my battle cards. Like I just did not really have a whole lot. Yeah. And, and, and I guess if you're just pirates, you're not really like a, a uniformed, right, used to sailing and fighting together anyway, because you're mostly just a, a raid and trade. Yeah, and that was the big brigade. part about having the Marines with uh, Hammett's army is they kind of gave the, not to say that the Arab infantry was bad, but yeah. they, they weren't, because of the culture, they weren't, uh, it, it's not necessarily like a martial culture. Like that type of combat is not something that they had been doing. So like even though it was only nine Marines, what they brought was the knowledge of close order drill and kind of how to do that sort of combat. And that's what they brought. And so that's why Presley O'Bannon was kind of given that sword because, you know, he brought that expertise and capability to it. Um, and that's one of the reasons why Hammett's army was successful is because they kind of had some extra training that the triple tans didn't. So, but yeah, I thought the theme was pretty strong uh, throughout. So um, table presence. It looks like risk. It, a little bit. So, I mean, if, uh, personally for me, if I were walking by, I would not turn my head because I'd just be like, oh my God, it's a war game. Like, it's like a strategy risk time kind of game. Yeah. But, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that. And if that is something that you're into, you probably would look at it and be like, oh, what is this? Because there are lots of people who are into these kinds of games. Yeah, I, I would say that I don't disagree. I think if I saw this on the table, I'm not sure I would turn my head. I think what would get me to turn my head is the name. Right. Because obviously with a, you know, a Marine background, like I'm kind of drawn to that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like, and this might be stemming into mechanics a little bit, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the easy nature of the board, mm -hmm. it's 
like it is a war game for sure, but it doesn't play like a traditional war game. Yeah. I felt um, so. I think it kind of puts it more open to people who might be kind of put off mm-hmm. by more traditional like block and model type. Which I would be right. Um, and we'll get to that later. Uh, so mechanics, I thought the card play was super interesting. Um, we've talked in the past about how luck kind of like, man, eh, not I'm big on luck. Um, mm-hmm. Having not played triple tans, but kind of seeing you go through it, I felt like there were ways to sort of mitigate the luck a little bit. You know, you had cards where it was like, add extra dice to mm-hmm. the Tripoli raid. I had cards that were like, hey, pick a Marine unit. And add additional dice for that marine unit. So, like, you mitigate the luck by rolling more dice. Um, but there were definitely some times where it was like the dice roll just didn't go for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had that one where it was like oh, yeah, the, the first storm. six sinks yeah. a frigate, and every six after that, and every dice you rolled was a six. Yeah. So it was like the the luck can kind of swing kind of mm-hmm. both ways, uh, and it definitely makes for like a fun story too, I guess. Um, so mechanically, I thought the the action cards this way was a lot uh, better than like your traditional like move one, attack right, one. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, do you think, though, that they were as, like, fairly balanced? So at the beginning of the game, I definitely felt like things were tending more towards you. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, especially when you had your Corsairs in every single port mm-hmm. uh, for the for the. That was not 10. the beginning of the game. That was no, the no, no. end, yeah. But even in the beginning, like I felt like you were able to just kind of get more stuff. Mm. And when I had the strategy of like, I wanted to take Tripoli, like it seemed harder and harder to get there as you were able to add more and more mm-hmm. things. Once I remembered that, hey, there's other way, there's another way to win, I kind of started focusing on that. And then I with the, I got lucky with the cards and mm-hmm. kind of the order that I got. Mm-hmm. I think had I not got those cards in that order, it would have taken me another round into 1806 in order to do that. And there's potential you know, with more raids that you right. could have done with all of those cards that you could have done some pretty substantial damage um, and it, it would have been a lot closer. I think once I got those cards and was able to wipe all that stuff away, mm-hmm. the Corsairs there, I felt like it, th- then it came back towards me. But the beginning of the game, I felt like it leaned towards more towards you, which may be historically accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, the war took six years. So how did you feel then? I, I, I think I got a little frustrated with some of my lack of being able to do things. Yeah, but I can see that. Yeah. Uh, and when they did that tournament, I think when they did it, it was because um, in the back of the rule book, there is like, hey, for tournament style, like here's the, you do victory points mm. and like the U.S. gets a certain number of victory points and they lose if they win, they get a certain number of victory points that are subtracted by the number of frigates they use and mm. the number of coins are used. So you like you could still win, but not get a lot of victory points. And then the both people uh, play both sides. Mm. You add up your scores, and then that's who wins that round to move on. So there's definitely a little bit more like gaminess to it than like historically war game style. Okay. Yeah. Um, rules. Uh, I mean, I, it was fine once we got going, and then I think cl- clarifying some things later on, and having uh, you definitely need that. Like it would need like a player card, or you had the rule book in between us, um, which I guess I could have looked at more closely to then read that. Oh yeah, I can discard a card to build corsairs because I thought I could only do it to 
uh, raid. Yeah, it seemed like because a lot of the things were very samey. They mm-hmm. just gave them different names because you were doing like different things. Like mm-hmm. the naval bombardment and naval combat wasn't really different. It was just you were targeting different things. Right. Um, yeah, I think. Um, but in a naval battle, I would have gotten to fight, fight back, back right. whereas in a bombardment, I don't. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think what I, I will do for future plays is I might make a little sheet mm-hmm. and put like, hey, here are the three things that you can do as triple tan. Here are the three things you can do as the U.S. and just have them right there on mm-hmm. the board. Uh, you know, it's a card play game. So why they didn't just create a little player aid card. Right. You know, because you could have put here's the three actions For that the you get tan. and then you flip it over and it could have been here's here's naval combat. Here's naval bombardment. Yeah. Here's uh, land combat. And, it, you know, you could have had a U.S. one with that, mm-hmm. and then you could add a triple tan with that. part of your... Part of the deck. So, yeah. like, why they didn't add that, I don't know. Um, there's if you're listening. 27. So, it might have been that this perfectly fits on one sh- one print sheet mm-hmm. of cards, and that might not... That might be why they didn't add it, but it could have been added to the back or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Uh, so, player in action? Oh, Yeah. Two-player game where we were going against each other. It's hard to not mm-hmm. be interactive. So yeah, I think I don't think we there. There was a lot of smack talk or yep. a lot of me saying how much I don't like you. Yes, you that's were that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and now the most important question, especially since we own it, um, would you play it again? I know you're dying to know if I would. Yeah, I'm very curious for yeah. not being a war game person right. and and losing. I would because I totally want to kick your butt. <laughs> uh, do you, would you want to do it again as triple ten, or do you, would you want? Yes, to? absolutely. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> so we're gonna have to play it at least two more times because if you want to play as triple ten again, I want to play as triple ten. <laughs> so we'll have to play at least two more times. All right. Yeah. Uh, yes, I would play it again too. I. Um, but these games are very much more along your style too. I think they're more along my style because they're not like. I'm not super big into war games either, even though I have to do it at work, just because like sometimes the type of people that are drawn to those type of war games are also the kind of people who are like, oh, you're using the, you know, the 39th infantry. Well, they didn't have that weapon in 1942. You can't use that. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, well, I don't care. Uh, I think this game kind of lends itself to like even people who aren't war gamers. It has enough board game feel to it that... Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you could describe this as like an Ameritrash take that board game and leave war game completely out of it. And you still described the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps uh, being able to like bring it to the board more often with people who don't play war games. Do you think, though, uh, as like an educational piece then, like for either military history or even, you know, kind of strategy type games or even just like, Hey, this is kind of, uh, you know, what politics may have been like in the early 19th century. I'm sure you could find a way cause there were definitely some political elements in it too. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be one of those things too, where like if you were in a class that like focused heavily on, I think in like a broad, what do you call those where it's survey, survey type class, it wouldn't work right? because you delve too deep into a very specific topic. Right. But if you had like, you know, U.S. history from 1798 to 1812, like this might be a perfect thing because then you could talk about like, hey, Hammett did this and Jefferson did that. And then when you play the game, so like I took that course 
at the school that I went to that mm-hmm. was history through board games. And what we did was we played a historical, they were all war games, historical mm-hmm. war game. And then there was a historian from the history department that came in and was like, okay, here's what really happened mm-hmm. now. And then like the background leading up to yep. and then and one the of causes the, and consequences. Yeah. Of, and then one of the models and model and simulations folks came down. And so then they came into the conversation of, you know, how did this game model what we just heard the history guys talk about or history folks, you know, why do you think the designer made these choices? So it was kind of a combination of like, you know, teaching how the designer made the game in order to be able to take, go back and be like, okay, we're going to create this for the unit to do this. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of was like a twofold. It was a history class, but also a, a modeling and simulation type of class as mm-hmm. well. Okay. Yeah. So everything has its place. It all depends on your pedagogy. You just wanted to use those big words again. It's Uh, a great word. And so that was The Shores of Tripoli. Yeah. So if you have any recommendations of games you want to hear our impressions on, just send them our way. You can do so via email. It is firstturntabletop at Gmail. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel, um, because I mean... The camels. The camels were very important they, for trade systems. And the camels were involved during this whole thing. I know. So he's in his his element. He is just out there and he's like, don't you forget. Don't you forget me. Rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. Play more games. Oh, I should have mentioned what Fortuidine was at the beginning. Yes. Uh, so that was, uh, that means uh, with courage. I'm going for a raid, dude. Okay. You do a pirate raid? Yeah. The game ends immediately in an American victory.